0: You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we'll be talking about some games played, followed by some upcoming games, and then our top three games to have in a post-apocalyptic situation. Today is episode 34, and we are your
1: hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Cristo. So anyway, um, I was actually on just the board game sites today and just kind of Kickstarter and it was snowing and I was actually thinking we're kind of in a downtime period I feel for board games because we recently had Spiel and there was just a lot of excitement and we've talked about a lot of new games uh, recently, but I feel like it's just a little bit of uh, like a slower time for board game releases. Now, do you agree, Brandon? Do yeah. you feel like that? Or yeah, I mean, I no, <laughs> so,
0: October is yeah. very exciting because of the Spiel releases, but we in the States don't get to see those, a lot of them, right, until next year, typically. Yeah. When they start getting um, published in, in the States. So it's like this real excitement of like all this, this uh, unleashing all this information of board games onto us and then a long waiting period. I do agree. Um I I mean we'll talk about it in our upcoming games, but there's I just I've, I've been searching and there's not much out there that's coming re- like soon.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of uh, announcements and kind of pictures and whatever, and we've talked about it from the big board game designers that I follow, or just new stuff. And yeah, I feel like uh, now we're just kind of waiting in the waiting period where uh, everything's kind of been announced, and we're just slowly starting to see things come out. (laughs) So yeah, kind of an interesting period. Yeah, and
0: we we typically like to do a like a top 10 games of the year that makes it really difficult right because technically a lot of these games released at spiel but uh we
1: don't see them until next year yep some of them actually surprisingly very late next year i've seen spiel releases which were released uh, supposedly at spiel and they don't show up until like march yeah uh, april may of right the next year so it's crazy it's like kind of really delayed yeah but
0: then we have the games that we got from the previous year from Spiel but they arrived this year so that's a little tough to, <laughs> to do yeah, our, our, our top delayed. 10 but maybe that's how we'll do it maybe we'll just do games released in the states in 2020 maybe that's how we'll have yeah. to do it makes sense yeah anyway We did play some games. What do you got?
1: Uh, this week I actually played, uh, one of those games that I heard, uh, about a long time ago, but the release actually didn't happen until recently. And that's Paris. It's the new Kiesling and Kramer game. Um, and, uh, yeah i actually looked at the kickstarter if i remember correctly and i think i either wasn't super impressed with the gameplay or maybe it didn't have exclusives for some reason i just like didn't pack the card and i was like well i'll play it when it uh gets released on retail and i'm happy that someone that i know was uh, very um excited about it apparently so he bought it and we played it uh I feel like I should probably talk about it when we play about, uh, play it again, but um, because we played it at two-player, and the game, I feel like, is very kind of uh, geared towards uh, three or four. I really think four is going to be the way that the game should be played, because there are no adjustments to the game. The way you set up the game, really. Um, there are very small adjustments of these styles that you have on the outside of the board, and the game felt very kind of um, incomplete, even in a way, because it's kind of an, a majorities type game. Uh, there's a very significant majorities element uh, where you're fighting for kind of area control not really area control just having the most the highest number in certain area in the board on the board and uh if there's not enough uh keys i guess There, you don't actually even put in a scoring tile. So, like, not all areas score, only the kind of more populated areas. And we barely filled in half the board uh, with our keys. The theme of the game is kind of really weird. Um, I feel like it's mostly an abstract game, which kind of reminds me of actually Sans Souci, maybe, and just very kind of abstract. Um, The theme of the game is there's uh, some kind of a period of economic development in Paris. I can't remember even which era it's supposed to be. But we are acquiring uh, buildings and just kind of owning buildings, uh, uh, private buildings, to be the most successful businessman in Paris or something. It's not modern, Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's a kind of... It looks like it's like the 1900s or something. I I don't know what they were going for. But Uh, What you're doing the whole game is basically putting in keys, like literally keys, like the key that you use to uh, unlock the door of a building that signifies, I guess, ownership of that building. Uh, When you put in a key in an area, you're kind of signaling, I guess, that you are interested in owning a building in that area. And also every area kind of gives you some money. So you're taking out the loan from the bank or something thematically. And then you actually, uh, in a future action, you can actually move the key to a building in that area uh, with specific value. There's some resource management mixed in and basically depending on some Goals throughout the game. And uh, like I was saying, the end game ownership of buildings, you determine some area majorities, and that's basically the game. Uh, Very kind of abstract experience. I never really felt like I was a businessman, like, you know, going out to the bank and getting a loan or whatever. It's all about just kind of counting um, and trying to kind of race towards these intermediate goals. Uh, there's a track around the board uh, where you can walk forward and get some either resources or scoring opportunities, and you can go backwards on that track. So that's an interesting decision uh, where you can jump really far ahead, but depending on how long the game goes, that might be a mistake because you're depriving yourself of opportunities, but the things that are ahead are really good. So it's the constant kind of push and pool of how fast should i be going on outside on that track but like i say overall the very, the whole experience was very just kind of mechanical and just kind of counting and setting up things and um, owning specific buildings for specific goals and it was fine yeah uh, the reason like i say uh, i feel like i should talk about about it again when we play with four is It just felt really open. You don't change anything in the middle of the board. And um, the area majority struggles or fights or whatever uh, were very obvious in our game. It's kind of like someone invests in a really expensive building somewhere. And yeah, what a surprise. They're actually going for the area majority scoring in that uh, area. You know what I mean? Uh, So very kind of like chessy and... uh, makes it into a zero-sum game. I was actually a little bit surprised that they even allow two, two players uh, without a dummy or anything. I feel like there should have been maybe a, a dummy or the game should have been just three or four. Uh, it worked okay, but I can totally see how a three or four it would be a different game. But overall, I think I liked it, and yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it again. So that's paris and by the way it's just paris there's a bunch of games that are paris now um there's a paris new eden there's some other paris that's it's kind of ridiculous so that's just paris it came out i think 2020 i think it's labeled as 2020 so would you say that paris is a typical medium
0: weight Kiesling and kramer euro style game with straightforward gameplay short player turns and, and an ingenious point salad mechanism
1: ingenious point-out mechanism? I don't know if the point-out mechanism is ingenious, but that sounds like something that's written on the back of the, of the game. <laughs> I'm, the, reading, the, it. The I'm reading it for BGG. <laughs> <laughs> I guess by ingenious, they mean you can't really go back anywhere in the game Uh, in the areas. Also, like if you uh, invest in a high price building, you can't with the same key go backwards. Uh, You can only go to a higher uh, expense building or whatever it's called uh same thing as on the outside of the track so that is kind of ingenious i guess i don't know if too many games have done a track where you can't go backwards uh with bonuses on it so like the decision is how fast do i go far to get higher bonuses but yeah it's uh yeah it's a pretty good description sure <laughs> i guess very generic sounding
0: but uh. Uh, very generic sounding actually it's not something that sucks me in to uh wanting to play it but the names do um The mechanisms, too, stated on BGG is simply tile placement and it sounded like from your description that there's a lot more happening than just tile placement so maybe they need to no. update um actually it says uh some admin better description needed so yeah that's probably you don't
1: say no <laughs> tile placement that's ridiculous uh yes there is tile placement but actually the base uh, intro game which we actually didn't play is uh the tile gets placed Uh, like automatically Uh, very similar to I think San as well where I think you Mm -hmm. flip a tile or something and it like the tiles have a specific position it's not even a decision where you're placing them I think actually there's a yeah it's not even a decision the variant we played introduces a very minor decision and that's like not even worth mentioning as far as the game goes I think the game is really about just timing of resources and timing of uh, where you should be to get the most points from majorities So, yeah, and so
0: not even a core mechanism.
1: Uh, uh, It is a mechanism, but definitely I would say not core mechanism. It should be, I'd say, resource management and uh, almost like worker placement, key placement, I don't know. what It's just kind of a resource management game, I would say, really. (laughs) All right. uh, So,
0: surprisingly enough, I actually want to talk about Zombicide. Now, or zombie side. Well what well, is it zomba side or zombie side? Mm-hmm. I mean I, really I guess they're zombies.
1: It, uh, the, don't ask me, I'm clearly not an expert, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, anyway, a brief history of my experiences with zombie side. Now I got this game when I was first getting into gaming, so I didn't know any better. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we actually had a lot of fun with it. We played it with like a it's very not a bad game.
1: No, it's definitely it's, not a bad game. It's no. just a
0: specific type of game. exactly, exactly. And we played it quite a bit, low player counts. And then we got into Euro games and just kind of never looked back. Except we were gaming with this different gaming group than we were in the beginning, and we were playing with them. We played it with high player count, and we played the 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 next one, um, uh, Black Plague, Zombies zombie side Black Plague which had some fixed rules in it and some better boards and whatever. But what I realized in that game was that I hated it in that gameplay. It's six players. So what I experienced on my turn in about the middle of the game was I had no decision but to move three spaces. (laughs) And I did that. And then I have to wait five turns next, right? Massive downtime. With with discussions because it's a co-op game. And once it got back to me, again, I move two spaces, open up a door, and then wait a long time. And then now (laughs) I'm (laughs) and then my next turn, I'm faced with a zombie. I'm like, finally, I get to do some damage, roll some dice, have some fun. And everybody stops me and says, You know, if you kill one more zombie, you're in the orange, and none of us are in the orange yet. So maybe you should hold off. So I didn't know this player group very well so I wasn't trying to argue the game and I don't really like doing that in co-ops anyway so I was pretty docile about it and I just reiterated what I just experienced I'm like okay so let me just get this straight I moved then on my next turn I moved and what you're saying is my third turn I should just move and they said yes and I said okay I'll move (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I kind of lost interest in the gameplay and everything else about that game is blurry. But I remember afterward looking to my wife and saying, I'll never play Zombicide again. And she, she's a little more forgiving about games than I am. She was like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't play at high player count or play with certain types of people. But I understand what you're saying. And I never did play Zombicide again. But then Night of the Living Dead, a Zombicide game released. When it was announced, my thought was, oh crap, I'm going to probably play Zombicide again. That theme to me, I love that movie and it works so perfectly on this game. And I thought, maybe I'll get away with not buying this game until my wife was like, we should probably buy it, right? And I said, yep, let's do it. So actually just yesterday, we picked it up and I read through the 30 two page rule book and this is not including scenarios 32 wow. pages of a lot of examples a lot of pictures and a lot of repeating itself there's a it's way too much for what the game is but we actually played it a couple of hours ago and there is some changes now if i'm comparing it to the original zombicide board game there was changes made already from the from the from to the uh, black
1: plague <laughs> The rules. Yeah, I was going to say, have you played the original Zombicide? I never actually played the original, just Black Plague, which supposedly is better, but I don't know in which way. And I actually really like guns and ranged weapons. And Zombicide Black Plague is all about like melee stuff, which was really kind of boring to me. Didn't they well. have, I think they had bows, right? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, but most of the time I remember just like swords were better in general. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. Bows were okay, but I feel like the swords were where where it was at so
0: the difference is and i actually never played this way because when i bought zombicide the the person selling it at the board game store was like you actually probably want black plague because they updated the rules and i was and i took a look at black plague yeah. and i'm like i don't want well. medieval zombies like that doesn't work for me you yep. know because i want it to be more modern day at least like from the 60s on because that's when zombies actually became the zombies that we know was the 60s on from romero yeah.
1: But and, um, I mean, uh, the other thing is they were really like uh, selling the theme as being unique, but I kind of like the classic like shotguns against yes, zombies kind absolutely. of thing, which I feel like was missing.
0: Agree. Totally agree. And that's why I bought the original and read the rules and then read the rules for Black Plague and just applied the new rules to it. Because it's, it's, an, it's an invisible thing in the game, the new rules that fix it. It's not something that's like on the board or, or in the components or anything, right? So what is the rule? It's really bad. When you're using a ranged weapon and shooting a zombie that's on the same space as another survivor, you target the survivor first. So you're just friendly firing at him until he's gone. Then you can yeah. start firing at the zombie. Really bad. Now, I understand that like, we're supposed to be survivors. We're not like policemen or military. So maybe thematically... We've never picked up a gun before, so we might miss, but I just don't see thematically working your friend standing by a zombie and you just shooting your friend to death and then shooting the zombie. Um, How did they fix it? Every fail is a hit to another survivor. Only with ranged, only on the same zone. So if I have to roll a four and I'm rolling two dice and I roll a four and a three, then it's going to hit the zombie and it's going to hit uh, a survivor friendly fire typically you don't do that in that situation there's some cards that give you rerolls, but anyway i just applied those rules to the zombicide game and it fixed it they also upgraded the boards so the boards were just um pieces of cardboard uh and you had just like tokens on it and moving little things now there's like pegs in it and when you have your backpack there's card slots it's really nice looking uh the Night of the Living Dead Zombicide has the rules fixes and the boards and all that. It has a couple of key differences. Uh, one being noise tokens. You remember the noise tokens, right? You make noise, you have to throw a token down. Every yep.
1: round you yeah, have yeah. to wipe like, them. I not really like managing them, actually.
0: I didn't either. Yeah, I was like, this is a lot of upkeep that we tend to forget. It's really easy to forget when you're blasting zombies to put down a token and to wipe it from round to round. So they eliminated that completely. And now it's very Very straightforward. It's just line of sight. If zombies can see the biggest group in a line of sight, they go toward them. If there is no line of sight, they will go to the biggest group anyway. And then if, if uh, there's two groups of the same size, they split very easy. Yeah. Very streamlined.
1: I think that's really good, because I remember that aspect of the game was just, I was like, what the heck? Uh, It also led to some really gamey situations where there's someone really close, but someone else is louder, so it's just like, I don't know, I don't remember details, but I thought that was really clunky, and no one really liked putting those tokens, or even, Mm -hmm. also like very vague rules sometimes, kind of like Mm -hmm. a lot of Gloomhaven AI rules of like, should they be going like left or right, and just lot of confusion so i'm really that sounds really good that they eliminated yes
0: that. really streamlined really easy no tokens to forget another thing they did was really neat so you have um your character card and one side is black and white and it's called romero mode and the other side is called zombicide mode where it's in color you actually have two different figures too so i guess you could paint one in black and white and paint one in color and switch them out uh so what happens with this mode is typically, I've only played the first scenario, so I don't know how the other scenarios go, but in the first one, at least, you start on Romero's side, and the only way to flip to Zomba's side is to get this Winchester gun and pass it to someone else. So take an action to give it to someone else. Basically, you're building trust, and if I give you the Winchester, then I get to flip my card, and if that person with the Winchester gives it to someone else, they get to flip their card. So you're just kind of exchanging this around. So the... Romero side, it just means that in side, when you um, kill a zombie, you get XP. It's just something that's noted on your player board. And there's different zones. There's blue, yellow, orange, red. If you get to uh, the yellow zone, orange zone, red zone, you'll get special abilities that is very helpful and useful in the game. On the Romero side, there's just one for each level. But on the zombie side, you have several that you can choose from. So basically, when you're in Romero side, you're not as strong. When you're in side, you're much stronger. Uh, very thematically, there's relative zombies that could come in. And you could get that from searching the deck and they just pop up in the room. Or you can get it from the, the spawn spots where you just pull a card and it spawns zombies. That could be one of them. When there's a relative on the board, then everybody has to flip to Romero side Becoming weaker thematically, like you're, you know, it's very devastating to see one of your family members a zombie. But as soon as you eliminate that zombie, then you can flip back over. So that's pretty neat. Add some thematicness to the game and some more obstacles. There is no abomination in this game, which is nice because that abomination was really hard because I think almost no weapons could serve damage enough to kill an abomination yeah, you had to
1: get that Molotov. Well, sometimes you just had to run away from it which was just really just bad boring design in my opinion yes
0: you had to search search get moltoff cocktails and that was the only way to kill them so there's only walkers uh the relatives as i said and there's fatties which are just like two damage just harder to kill and they absorb uh Damage like so they kind of block the walkers if they're in the same zone. But then there's also, gosh, I don't remember what they're called. We were calling them throwers. Um, they throw stuff. So they don't throw stuff at players. They throw stuff that like barricades. So like if you have a window barricaded, they could throw and break that barricade. And it happens before movement, so they could break. They've spent their action, so they don't move. But all the other zombies could hoard in. Very thematic to the movie. I guess there's one scene in the movie where a zombie picks up a brick and smashes the, the light of a car. So they use that. And actually it works really well because in the first scenario, you're in the cabin that is in night of living dead. And your goal is to board up all the windows and kill all the zombies in the house. But that's really hard when these throwers come out and break the barricades. That's another plus to this game because I found in the original Zombicide, it was all about these X objective things. And they do different things, like you go to this X, you take an action, you flip it, it might open a door over here or whatever. Sometimes it was just flipping amount of Xs. Flip over these five Xs and you win the game. That is not very thematic or fun. You're flipping Xs, you know. I mean, there were some scenarios in the original game that were a little bit better than that, but I remember very uh, distinctively being upset that like, I'm f- we're flipping X's the whole time. So t-
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the thing is, I think they had thematic uh, like reasons or like whatever, but they just never really felt like you were actually doing the thing that they're doing. Just, it felt like they're just kind of made up. Uh, Definitely.
0: Like you flip this X, objects. it turns on power at this place and now this door can open yeah. so you can go in there and then you flip that X and that turns on something else and you win. Um, But barricading windows is like exactly what I want to do in a zombie game. You know, like that's, that's what they do in the movie. So you're just like, you could, for an action, you could pick up rubble and it turns into a barricade that goes on your door. And then for another action, if you're by the window, you can barricade that window. And while zombies are pouring in, into the building or the cabin, breaking windows, uh, i found it a lot of fun actually now is this something that i want to play all the time not necessarily um it definitely takes a certain mood you're still chucking dice you know and i i swear every time i play these types of games dice don't work for me and you've witnessed that when we played arcadia quest like i almost wanted to rage quit uh this is no different I was just like, have to roll a three. That's not bad, right? One, reroll, one. Oh, okay. But again, like, I don't really mind that in this type of game. Now, we did play Abomination. I do mind it in that game quite a bit because you're working out stuff, you're figuring out all these recipes, making it perfect. And then everything could be destroyed for a dice roll. Now, in Zombicide, you can get. Like, you could lose the game because of dice rolls. But for me, it just works. I'm not working that hard. My brain isn't working that hard. I'm going around the board. I'm shooting zombies. I'm trying to board up windows. No big deal. You know, I don't... I'm not devastated by dice rolls in this. Um, also, it feels a little thematic because, like I said, we're just regular citizens shooting guns that maybe we've never shot before. And with zombies, you got to shoot them in the head, right? So who can really accurately just shoot a zombie in the head unless you're at close range. So the dice rolls like, kind of make sense to me. Did I make it? Did I fire and, and hit him in the head? Whatever. It works. Um, I'm excited to play more scenarios of this. Uh, I'm trying to think if it had 13. Might be it. Doesn't matter. It has enough scenarios to where I could be playing this for a while. I played it at 3 players and I think 3, 4... Is my limit two actually works really well, yeah, but anything say, over think
1: that two is like the way to go probably with that game.
0: Yeah, I've played regular Zombicide several times with two, and I liked it quite a bit because we're just going back and forth. It's just we're just discussing the two of us. Yep. It's fine. Three was is was perfectly fine as well, and I don't like to play these types of games with people that are super serious about these types of games because to me there's just like too much discussion too many cooks in the kitchen and it's just like not that serious of a game but I also don't want to play with people that don't take it serious at all miss rules or don't care you know so um, I played with my wife and her cousin which was perfect because we were all invested in it as I think as much as we should be but also kind of joking about the different scenarios that would take place Um, so I I'm glad that we got it I'm glad that we're playing through it. I don't know how often it'll get played. They liked it a lot. And it feels very much like Night of the Living Dead. The art's cool in it. The boards are nice. So that's a thumbs up for me for this type of game when I'm in the mood for it. And that's Night of the Living Dead, a zombicide game.
1: Yeah, I actually was looking at just kickstarter i mean not kickstarter uh, board gaming groups on facebook stuff and i saw some pictures of people receiving that game and i remember you saying uh i hope i don't buy this game or yeah. something because yeah. it's totally my thing and you totally bought the game yep. which i was actually kind of expecting because like, wow this looks exactly like what uh brandon would like in in a game so oh this would be the one, way to go. one
0: more thing i want to say about it which i kind of liked a lot too In the regular Zombicide game, and I think in Black Plague as well, you just had one big deck for searching. They actually split the decks up. So you have melee deck, range deck, and then a regular deck that could have random stuff in it. Yeah.
1: That's really nice. All of yeah, all of those changes sound really good, actually, because I remember that was really lame as well. Basically, you might be searching for a specific object, and it was just too much luck. You could get a really good weapon early on or not, something yeah. really useless. I don't know if that still happens, but uh, it sounds better. Basically, all the changes sound kind of better uh, for the game overall.
0: There is some really great uh weapons that you can only use while you're in zombie side mode too. So that makes it more incentive to want to flip and get those relatives off the board.
1: Sounds good, actually. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to trying it sometime as well, just to see what it is. Um, I might like it a lot more than regular zombie, uh, Black Plague Zombicide, I mean.
0: Yeah, I would um, like to know so your yeah. opinions on it after a play
1: uh so anyway actually i was gonna talk about something else but i switched my game last minute because i was thinking uh we played a game which i can totally talk about um i think i've kind of seen mostly what it offers and that's toad dice um we actually played it uh, just a couple of days ago i kind of completely forgot about it because i actually feel like it's just okay but to me it's too much like an just another roll and write. Um, it was nice though um, basically I don't know it has some kind of thematic I guess connection to Toa but it's just kind of maybe in name only I don't know I feel like it could have been called something else well uh, art for sure wouldn't
0: be, huh I said the art for sure also
1: yeah, the art for sure and uh, but like I was just thinking like as as I was playing it is this any relevant to toa really at all other than just the 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 theme of it and yeah, the art to some extent. And I don't know. I, I really don't know. So what what it is is um you are rolling dice and they're going around this kind of circle of um colors really Uh, so the dice kind of take on the color that they're put on and actually they're transparent which is really cool because uh, it would be kind of a fail if they made them a color or even white because white is a color in the game Uh, so it's kind of cool that kind of like I don't know you don't really look at them top down which would be the best effect but the dice take on the color of what they're put on so based on the color that they're put on um, everyone at the same time does something with any of the available dice so to me that's also kind of a weird thing because they don't even have like drafting um, in the game it's just kind of it's roll and everyone can do whatever they want Um, that's it and you get kind of 24 actions and whoever has the best Score wins. Uh, what can you do with the dice? Um, in toi, they had thematic things of. Um, there's kind of a military f- themed building section, and then there's a civil, I think, is what it's called, or it's religious, actually religious, and then there's a kind of production. Gosh, I don't know if it's production really or farming or something uh basically farming makes kind of is tied to re, uh, resources money and uh religious is tied to actually they invented a resource it doesn't exist in in this uh, role and right uh, or the Dice, the, they invented the religious resource, which is uh, knowledge, and it's books. So, and then military is kind of connected with influence, which is kind of flags or whatever. Um, so it's very very simple, though. Like Troia had a lot of kind of uh, drafting and selection mechanisms of. Uh, what you should produce when and kind of combos and stuff uh, to add dice you select a die and i guess they have some thematic things like if you circle these military buildings uh, basically you you select a die to build a building that's actually the whole game or to get a resource you get resources from it so your choices are basically build a building on your boards or so or get resources. So they have thematic things like you can build a military building protect you again. There there's this uh kind of attack die, uh black die that you also roll with which randomly kind of attacks a specific color and value. So if you build a military building in a specific column, you are protected from that attack. Uh so yeah um the uh religious and production or whatever they're called buildings though i feel like they're just that's very weird they're just kind of uh points really um you're just circling buildings i don't there's not really uh, specific abilities like the base game uh or they're very 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 simplified i guess there is a section where you can do specific abilities like the base game but it, it's just i mean um i didn't expect it to be something super elaborate because it is kind of a roll and right uh but it was actually even simpler than i expected in the end um so yeah so you can get military buildings which can be protection or like kind of Workers, which workers are basically points in the game. They're not even workers in the traditional sense. You don't place them anywhere. You just circle them, and they become one point each. Um, if you acquire enough workers of kind of balanced colors, you can get some extra buildings. So that's like some slight, very, very slight kind of combo engine stuff uh, that I've seen in something like Gunshot Clever. But it was very, very uh, kind of inconsequential, very small in a way. Um so yeah you select a die and you circle a building um there is also that personages thing like in twa but definitely not the same you're not dealt a personage like in twa at the beginning of the game and it's like a mysterious reveal at the end of the game uh you basically circle them and again they're tied to a building so you build a building with a specific die it's white and what you're doing is you're just putting multipliers on the buildings that you have built. Um, so actually, what we had happen in our game in on uh, Friday when we played was really strange because uh, you flip the available areas in the game for the dice. Remember how I said they're specific colors. And we had very few white areas, so that section of our papers uh, where you're marking down buildings was very kind of sparse compared to the other two sections. And there's a very inconsistent way to f- uh, flip those areas, because they flip and that's how they change color. so you might ch- get some different colors. It uh, depends on basically the black dye, so if a black dye lands on an area, it flips So you could totally have kind of like a very difficult game and a low scoring game from personages because there's just no white, not enough white dice to circle buildings. And the way it works is there's nothing hidden. Everything is open. And you can just kind of start circling personages. Uh, and the first one is one times however many buildings you have in a row. The second one is two times. Then three times, four times, four five times, six times. So if you want to get a really high multiplier, you just do a lot of them, um, basically. So the two main scoring mechanisms are those people that I was talking about where which come from just circling buildings and those personages which are Based on how many n- buildings you've circled, I feel like, um, yeah, the game was okay, it wasn't like bad or anything, but I kind of actually expected more from just a Toan name. That's kind of the general impression I came out of the game with. Um, still kind of a little bit lucky and a little bit too straightforward i think uh when you play we were planning on playing it but i don't know if it's going to happen because of reasons but uh when you play it will you'll see what i mean i just expected like just more kind of clever stuff out of it i don't know if there's too much really clever design in that game it just felt like a generic run-of-the-mill kind of rolling right. that's fine i played it kind of a game um, yeah not, not too crazy about it but de- definitely nothing offensive either um, I think it's one <laughs> of the better like Roland rights, you know there's nothing bad about it I just was expecting more because of the name but that's about it so that's Twa Dice
0: yeah name and designers right because it is the designers of Twa yeah. um, I'm kind of extremely over Roland rights. and it's because <laughs> I burnt myself out <laughs> on them you know like because i when yeah. i first got into them i was like i loved yahtzee growing up and this is like a bunch of better yahtzee games which i still find true yeah. but i just really like burnt myself out on because i bought so many of them and tried them and then uh yeah i don't know it just it just comes down to like uh kind of seeing the same stuff over and over again now Welcome to when we played that, the Halloween edition. I actually really like that game. Um, the flip and write, I don't know. There's something about it, I guess, because it's not dice. It doesn't matter. It's still randomized, but it just felt a little better. Also, I feel like it was different than any game I played uh, as far as roll and rights go. But uh, yeah. I'll try this because I I, I really enjoy Twa and I like the designers too. So I, I'm, I'm definitely willing to give it a try, but definitely not going to buy it. Probably even if I like it, to be honest. I have too many. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say uh, Welcome To feels very kind of interesting because there's so many decisions you make. There's three things you can do in the round and they're kind of uh, usually fundamentally different from each other. Like multiple goals you could be working towards. Also, I think the mechanic of kind of splitting your rows by number is very interesting as well. Just that very unique to that game, which uh, most roll and writes are like roll a die and mark something. Um, That one is just it feels very different and fresh compared to. Um, other roll and right because it's not even roll; it's flip, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I uh, I was expecting something just uh, clever. I think if you're looking for a really combo-y type game or something really kind of engine-y, I think Ganshong Clever is actually, or that's very clever in English, is a um, better combo kind of game than Toa Dice. Uh, if you're looking for just engine stuff, that's really fun. It just felt like very fine <laughs> just fine and i feel like the personages are kind of a huge missed opportunity when I, when it was explained to me i almost didn't believe that's actually the rules i was like <laughs> really that's all i thought that mechanic of like dealing someone a goal and not knowing what the goals are was really clever in the base game and it, to me it's kind of almost a missed opportunity that the personages are just like one times two times three times four times and you just really open everything's open so they're just multipliers they're not even conditions so anyway it's it's fine it's a fine game
0: all right well that was some games that we've played so up next upcoming games all right i actually all of my upcoming games are actually expansions um first one I want to talk about is It's a Wonderful World, War or Peace. Did you see this, Risto?
1: No, I actually didn't.
0: So it's actually pretty interesting. I like uh, It's a Wonderful World. It's a very simple um, car drafting game and engine building. And I quite enjoyed it for what it was. Pretty short to about a half hour, really. Uh, so this expansion is actually a campaign allowing players to play a scripted five scenario campaign that got me interested because a lot of campaigns are a lot longer than that. Right. But five that's doable, especially with the short gameplay. I mean, you could probably sit and play five scenarios of this game in maybe three hours. You know, you could do it in one sitting. That's for sure. But anyway, at the start of the game, You get an envelope. Uh, It's kind of reminiscent to legacy games, but this is replayable. And it's going to tell you the rules of the scenario and the extra cards that are going to be thrown in for the scenario. And at the end of the game, each player receives like different rewards, depending on whether you won or lost. And according to kind of choices made during the game. And the player that wins the campaign is the player that wins the very last scenario. So basically, all the four games leading up to the last one is just kind of building up stuff so you can be awesome for the last round. Uh, So so that just sounded interesting to me. Kind of legacy style, but completely replayable because there's no alterations to anything in the game. The campaign can also be played solo, and it adds a fifth player. So pretty cool. That is War or Peace... It's a wonderful world. And the theme of it is like you're uh, collectively, I think, either going towards war or going towards peace, depending on what the players are are choosing uh, throughout the gameplay. The other expansion I want to talk about is Photosynthesis, Under the Moonlight, another game that I quite enjoy. However, I've had several plays of this, and I felt like I wanted maybe a little bit more or different out of it. And I even played the expert variant, which I think is the way to play. So in this game, you have now a moon. So in photosynthesis, you have a sun going around the board and it's producing sun points. So like anything that the the sun can touch and other trees that are larger size can block trees and whatever. And you're using these sun points to like take actions with. The moon is going in the opposite direction and it's giving you moonlight. So probably the same way that it works for sunlight with uh, blocking purposes, but players will collect these lunar points and you can use them to activate animals, which have special powers. So there's eight animals. Uh, Some of the animals are like boars, which collect trees, hedgehogs, which plant seeds, Fox that steals and moves seeds around and the owl, which will convert lunar points to sun points. So that just sounded very interesting to me. Maybe make this game a little meatier. It is kind of an abstract game, uh, but I think that this expansion could make it a bit more board gamey, if that's the right description for it, but Photosynthesis Under the Moonlight. Scheduled for 2020, I don't know if that means the States or not actually both the expansions that I mentioned are slated for 2020. But again, I couldn't find anything uh, releasing retail in the States as of right now. And that's it for me.
1: Huh? Uh, yeah, no, I really like Photosynthesis, and yeah, I'm excited about this as well, because it does look interesting and cool, and I feel like Photosynthesis was a little bit maybe one-dimensional in yeah, some exactly. ways, uh, so hopefully this brings it to something cooler.
0: Yeah, I think um, it sounds interesting to spend these moon points on animals that can, in- and then you basically get special powers from them, so Yeah.
1: Yeah, or the word, uh, yeah the thing I'm thinking about is it used to be just about where the sun was going to be now it's going to be a little bit more interesting I think because it's there's two things spinning around so maybe it'll uh give something to do to the person who usually is behind the sun or like getting covered you know so Yeah, there's always a, the other side the there's is usually a, a little bit of a catch up or something is what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, there's usually a, a, a like a round as well that You're just not going to get sun points because of the direction of your trees. Like you'll have a really good sun point income, and then the next one won't be. So that will, I think the moon will fix that as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the cycles, yeah, of kind of up and down is hopefully what I'm thinking is gonna be make just make it kind of more interesting and decisions better. Yeah, um, it wasn't a bad game at all. I actually really like it, but I'm looking forward to this as well. Yeah, you found the the good stuff uh, apparently, uh, because I actually don't really have too many uh, games looking forward to. I was looking at a few Kickstarter things, but I feel like uh, like we were saying at the beginning of the show, it's a little bit more of a downtime i didn't don't really look at these like expansions until they come out i guess so if they come out i'll notice them but i haven't really been paying attention but uh, i actually played a um, kind of uh an unlock uh, over the last week as well and it was a lot of fun and i just kind of had forgotten how those uh, games go so um I was actually just kind of looking forward to I bought a bunch of unlocks so actually doing them and I'll probably be looking to like sell them on onwards to other people so we'll see if anyone in our uh, group or outside is interested but yeah it was um, a cool experience and that's almost like games played but um, the only thing is, I feel like, uh, again, it just kind of contrasted unlocks to exits, because we've been playing a lot of those lately, and then uh, switching to unlocks was just really kind of, just again, just back to the weird puzzles, uh, very kind of just weird ideas you kind of have to follow what the designer was thinking in his head when he was creating the game sometimes uh again there was a puzzle which i kind of really dislike in those games of um uh, something that takes you out of the game Um, no no spoilers but uh like you know, uh, what is it—the fourth wall kind of a moment where it's like, "All right, um this is actually outside the game box and outside the game experience." So yeah, unlocks are—I'm—I'm um, I'm expecting them to be kind of just weirder, but I'm kind of excited to be getting back into uh, some unlocks as well. They're really they're kind of fun, nevertheless. Um, and yeah, I, I, I feel like the story with unlocks, I'm expecting it to be just uh, better with exits. I don't know, you remember the puzzles more than the story with unlocks. I think you the story is much stronger.
0: Yeah, that's the, how I've always uh, felt about unlocks exits. compared to exits. I feel like exit is sort of the better game, but unlock gives you a more thematic feel. You're more immersed in the in the theme of it um did you know that they're so you know that they come out now they were doing this in europe but now they're doing it in the states where they're releasing all three within the line in one box
1: Uh, yes actually i have two of those boxes which i haven't played at all like any of them i think they're new so yeah i started doing that just because they're kind of cheaper as well that way uh slightly not too much but i think it makes more sense or did you get the star wars one uh no i don't think i'm a fan of star wars um the one we played was a, a halloween one the future was there's a secret mission one secret agent and i can't remember the second one uh i think mystery and epic adventures is what i have coming i can't remember actually
0: okay i I don't even know if this is But i know
1: i haven't played any of them i've played quite a few unlocks i think they just got released over the last year when we basically stopped playing them some kind of catching up to where they are now i think in some ways i didn't even see a star wars one when i was looking so okay it's
0: probably not released yet it's here on bgg and uh i like star wars okay i'm not like a like a Star Wars, like uh, like super geeky fan out about it, but mm-hmm. I'm fine with yeah. it. Um, so I, I would play it, that's for sure. It's an unlock game. Uh, so it looks cool. There's three stories it in a, it.
1: Oh, yeah, I was going to ask. It's a big box, so it's three Star Wars stories, like a complete big box of Star Wars.
0: Yeah. An unforeseen delay, cool. escape from Hoth, and secret mission on jed jedha i, I don't yeah, know yeah. g-e-d-h-a i can't pronounce all the the cities of of star wars world but yeah i thought they were gonna yeah, do no, like the cool, saga but Yep. it looks like it's in the old universe old universe i don't know the the first trilogies it looks like it's within that universe
1: yeah that's even better. Yeah, I like that. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah, maybe when it comes out, we'll see. Maybe that's the next box purchase. Who knows? But that's it.
0: All right. So that was some upcoming games. Now, our top three games to have in a post-apocalyptic situation.
1: All right. Uh so I guess we should talk about how to how, how we made our lists first. Um actually I kind of had I was talking to Brandon about this cuz I thought it was a joke at first because of uh just our current situation maybe uh in a lot of ways. <laughs> so uh he was like no it's not a joke. So i was <laughs> like okay well we can go in some different ways on this, you know. Um and uh, the way I went is actually uh, not with post-apocalyptic games, which is my initial thoughts, but it was more games where you're kind of, um, kind of more like blissful or hopeful games, or games where you're like surviving or something like that. Uh, but kind of more on the positive sides, as opposed to um, actual post-apocalyptic games. My reasoning is if you're playing them in a post-apocalyptic situation, you probably don't want to... You probably kind of want more of some maybe an escape or hope, rather than uh, just like re re reenacting whatever's going on outside. So that's basically how I made my list, this kind of more hopeful and bright games, actually.
0: Yeah, so the way I came up with this is I was talking to uh, some friends and we were talking about what if there was a civil unrest and things got ugly, and population were to dwindle down to almost nothing they were like what what like games would you would you bring in order to like kind of um i don't know play during this time the way i saw it is like i'm grabbing three games from my house and running right
1: and then oh that's very different from what i (laughs) I thought
0: (laughs) but with in mind that civilization as we know it is not going to be the same. And so what I'm thinking I'm going to grab is like a a thematic game to like kind of get your mind off of things, a lighthearted, fun party type game in case there's more people that you're gathered around, and then a heavy game to like dive deep into the strategy. But all three of these games I have in mind of like replayability value because I just have three of them. And also like a couple that I could have fun with and one that I could like dive deep on. But I'm really like thinking about, um, I saw this movie Love and Monsters and it was about a post-apocalyptic uh, world and they lived in in underground bunkers actually in little societies kind of spread out throughout the United States, uh, spread out pretty far. So you have this like group of people that you're stuck with and you can't go to the surface. So I just thought about like what games would I have in that situation and that's how i put together my list. so i think we're on a similar page freesto cuz you're kind of <laughs> thinking the same way but you're more leaning towards like how do i uplift this group and uh yeah, i th- i thought a little maybe. bit more about myself as well. but uh or just
1: just games where you're not like getting destroyed or something you know <laughs> or just getting attacked or whatever yeah Uh, kind of anyway we'll see
0: all right let's get into it
1: number three All right, speaking of games which you're not getting destroyed in, maybe that was a little bit of a misstatement, because my number three is kind of a family-level game. It's called The Downfall of Pompeii. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I kind of see this uh, game as, yes, it is a destruction kind of a game, and it's kind of very trolly. But I guess you can look on the positive side and see that some people did escape. And actually you're scored based on how many people you take out of the city that's being flooded by the volcano that's exploding. Um... So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, not not overly positive, but uh, better than something like Survive Escape from Atlantis, which is a very similar game <laughs> that I was thinking about where you're randomly getting eaten by sharks. But very similar gameplay. Um, I actually really like this game. I kind of think of uh, the few times I've played it kind of fondly. It is a very kind of family level and kind of take that even game. Um, and you kind of get to... Uh, laugh in a morbid way when you throw people in a volcano uh literally there's like lava flowing down or not flowing down it's actually kind of appearing randomly um thematically i think it's like splashes of lava that are falling from the sky or something probably uh in the city but um yeah when you uh, when some people die you actually throw them in this volcano and on the board it's a cool like 3d volcano that you wrap around and it's um yeah like i say some um, morbid entertainment but uh, i've just liked this game when i've played it it kind of has two phases uh the first phase you're kind of setting up the board so you're kind of moving in people from um I thematically like people are settling the city and actually there's some really interesting mechanics of like relatives and people living in the same building i think if you put certain people in the same building they can bring in a relative to live with them and stuff like that and people are just like cubes basically if you're looking at the game um but yeah, I really kind of like the board as well. I, From what I remember, the art was pretty cool. Kind of very simple, but it just kind of is fun uh, to just look at the boards. Kind of very bright and just I, I kind of enjoyed it uh, when I played it. And then the, the second phase, uh, you kind of top deck and thematically that's the passing of years. And then there's like a volcano rumble or something. I think there's a card that's like a warning that the eruption is coming soon. And yes, eventually the eruption happens uh, by a top deck. And then the game turns into from settling the city. Now that you've moved in a bunch of people, you're trying to save your people and basically... Uh, get them out of the gates there's four gates i think of the city and they're just like running and escaping from the city and lava is randomly appearing um around the city as you do that Uh, I think actually it's being placed by everyone around the table. So that's the take that is you can kind of obviously target some people by blocking their way or whatever. So eventually they become encircled and they can't escape. Um, So, yeah, but overall, it's uh, actually maybe my favorite game of that kind of uh, like something is happening and you're trying to escape and there's a timer. Uh, kind of a game. I really like it. Um, The rules are actually a little bit weird. The first time I read them. There's just a lot of like procedural stuff on how you set up that deck that's the timer of the game. And also, it's not super easy and straightforward to explain what the phases of the game are. But basically, it just makes a lot of sense once you start playing it. First, you're really just settling the city, and then you're escaping. That's it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I see that game as, yes, uh, kind of uh, depressing, but, I mean, it is post-apocalyptic situation outside but some people made it so there you go the downfall of Pompeii
0: I guess the uplifting side in playing this game during a post-apocalyptic situation would be that you're reminded that you're not in an apocalypse. Apocalypse type situation, right? Because that's like happening to them right then. So you are like, remember when we were going yeah. through this and it's we're, it's over, kind of. Anyway,
1: yeah. might be might bring back some PTSD situations.
0: Yeah, it. No, it, it came out. <laughs> in remember 2000- when we almost died? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it came out in two thousand four, so that's probably why. Like, I feel like even family weight games in two thousand four had some weird, confusing rules. They haven't quite figured, mastered the the art of streamlining yeah. games yet, quite yet
1: yeah exactly it's it's a little bit like there's some really rough things especially with the relatives rule like you've, at the beginning of the game i think you can uh you just settle and then like after the first rumble you can bring in the relatives and the relatives are really weird but it is clever like that's why i think i like it is because it's not super simple which survive i think is there is a little bit of like strategy in how you position your people around the city so when disaster strikes uh you can get out fast
0: all right, so my number three is almost a cheat. It is one game, but I have a ton of stuff for it. Uh, this would fall under the category for me of thematic to get our minds off of things, and that would be Marvel Crisis Protocol. Now, I have three maps for this game, 50 characters, all kinds of terrain, so I could literally set this game up for three Uh, games which could be up to six players but then there's other characters that add different mechanics so it could be a one verse many so you could actually add like three nine players to it so in my mind in the post-apocalyptic situation i'm like hey i got a game that a bunch of us could play on different tables or on the floor if that's what we have to do but um i would really want to introduce this to a a group kind of stranded and feeling hopeless because they're heroes and fighting each other and it's easy to teach um out of like miniature games miniature games could get quite complex um in rules i'm thinking more like warhammer and privateer press type stuff um but this one in, in particular is actually really easy to teach, really easy to grasp, and a lot of fun. You're just playing as Marvel superheroes or villains, and you can mix them and match as every, however you want. And again, I have 50 of them, so there's quite the choice. You could actually build armies in this according to different cards that will tell you, like Avengers or Wakandans, or all kinds of different teams that you can build And if you build that team, if you have more than half of that team, then you unlock that leader special ability, which applies to everybody, and also some uh, tactic cards that you can play for that affiliated group. But you don't even have to do that. You could build the armies however you want. And it's more like a board game too in the fact that there's objectives and there's victory points and you're trying to get victory points or you could just kill each other and win that way as well but that doesn't usually seem to happen um so anyway like i think marvel crisis protocol could take my mind off of things and we can get into being superheroes and have that on our side that we're saving the day rather than waiting for the days to pass so that's why my number three is marvel crisis protocol Cool. Sure, I'm sure Haristo has nothing to say about this because yeah, he hasn't I played it. played it or
1: even seen it, actually. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have it hidden away for nobody to see it in bags in a <laughs> yeah. far-off room. Special,
1: special stash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number two. All right, so my number two and actually one and actually most games that I was thinking about um, is kind of nature-themed. The reason that I picked it is basically I feel like unless it's really bad outside and there's like nuclear winter or something, I feel like um, there is kind of a resurgence of nature when there's a disaster. Um, Actually, uh, I was reading some articles about Uh, the zone in the Ukraine and, like, the Fukushima uh, nuclear plant. Like, it's kind of interesting. If you see the pictures, there's a lot of just, like, trees growing everywhere and just animals and stuff and kind of nature taking over. So it's a game that we actually just talked about, um, which is Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. Uh, Photosynthesis is um, an abstract game uh, where... You are gathering sun energy by placing these trees and growing them. So you can place more trees and grow them. That's kind of the game. Actually, it's uh, kind of has a really weird engine building element, uh, where the more uh, trees you have, the more energy you have can harvest, and the more trees you can grow. It sounds like a bit of a runaway leader game, and it kind of is actually. I think. Uh, Uh, You kind of have to be really careful in a two-player game, I think, um, to place well. Otherwise, the game can be over very quickly. Otherwise, uh, you can hope for some timing errors by the person who's leading or something. But... um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting game. Uh, I think three or four-player games are better like balanced because people can block each other, but actually I've seen a lot of four-player games where someone just not accidentally or not just gets completely obliterated because you can really block people and they can have really bad time. So the board gets really tight. So it's kind of an interesting game. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to the expansion that Brandon talked about. I think that's going to bring a new dimension in the game, which I really feel like the game needs. Uh, It is a little bit one dimensional, like you were saying. Basically, it's just kind of get light as fast as possible so you can win kind of a game. Very short summary. Get the timing right of how you take your trees down at the end of the game as well. But yeah, I feel like it needs something else. And I wasn't even thinking they're going to do an expansion because it feels very complete. But I'm looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, kind of a hopeful kind of nature growing and nature rebuilding uh theme game. Uh, it has really good table presence. I think it's really colorful. That's actually one of the really positives of the game is uh really cool table presence and really nice looking board when you play. So that's photosynthesis.
0: The apocalypse will have to wait for the expansion to come out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> okay. My number two is the lighthearted fun party game um in case there's a lot of people. And in fact this uh can play i think as many as you want i don't see how it would like how you can't play as many as you want it's monikers and we actually just did a play of this uh not too long ago but monikers is a party game just like uh it's very similar to time's up but what you're doing is you get some cards you actually get 10 cards every player gets 10 cards you pick, you look and pick five of them. These cards are gonna have certain things on them. They range like really largely about like, it could be a person, it could be a place, it could be a situation, it could be an internet like inside joke, but it's gonna also have a description of it so if you're kind of puzzled on what it is, uh, you will know. So you pick five of these cards and they become a deck and the deck is the round. So you play with the entire deck and it's a team game so you break up into teams as even as possible and different players on the team will take turns doing this. You'll pick a card up and on the first round you can say whatever you want except for any parts of the words that are in the thing they're trying to make the other team guess or your team guess. And you can say whatever you want. You're trying to get them to to guess what it is and if they do you just place it on the table pick up another one you got one minute to try to get as many as you can once that minute's up you keep the cards they have points on them various points from like one to four i think and then you pass the deck to the next team and they do that it goes back and forth back and forth until that deck is gone now you're going to want to pay attention on the other team's turn as well because like I said, this deck is the entire game. So you're going to want to do some memorizing of the cards and get familiar with them. Now in the very beginning of the game, you have five cards that are in this deck that you've already seen, so you'll want to memorize those too. And then once the round is over, you write down the points that you got from all the cards, shuffle them back up, and you go again, except this time you could only say one word. But now you've seen all the cards, So one word should do it sometimes. Okay. So you get through that deck and the third and final round is charades. You can make noises, but it's a lot of hand gestures and that's where the game gets really funny. Now, all of my experiences in this game, there's always laughter. There's never a game that I've played where people weren't cracking up even before the charades, but definitely on the charades and I feel in a post-apocalyptic time, we need laughter. And I think Monikers will always consistently deliver this. There's a whole lot of cards in the game. I guess if you're playing for years and years and years and you only have three games, uh, then you will probably memorize the entire deck. That will take a while. But there's also a ton of expansions for it. So that is why it's my number two, Monikers.
1: Yeah. I feel like uh, actually memorizing the deck is kind of an issue with that game. But other than that, it's really amazing until you get to that point. Uh, Just kind of really gets, just really fun. Gets the, gets people going and laughing and kind of just is a good time in general.
0: Yeah, you laugh and then the game finishes and you go, oh yeah, our situation. (laughs) (laughs) But for 45 minutes, you're, you're all happy.
1: Number one. All right. So I was actually thinking that my number one might as well have been like a prehistoric theme or something because you're like, I don't know, just kind of rebuilding maybe. Oh, my Uh, number one
0: is that same thing.
1: No, it's not prehistoric though. I was just thinking I should, maybe should have been with oh. uh, what I was thinking about, but it's actually Spirit Island. Uh, that's what it is. Oh yeah. I guess I was actually thinking it would be very appropriate if uh, there's like aliens or something, and they're like <laughs> going around and just like trying to like, uh, devastate or our lands. Or just yeah devastate your land extract minerals out of it or something and uh because that's what spirit island is it basically is a game where you play as the spirits who are defending uh the native population of a made-up island against the invaders and the invaders kind of it's a very thinly veiled theme about um kind of colonists and the native americans i think or basically just insert any uh imperialist takeover of a native population anywhere really kind of a theme so the invaders are very scary and they build towns and they abuse the land and blight the land and they make it um, kind of just yeah um, unusable apparently Uh, and you as the spirits are trying to protect the native population by uh, doing a lot of kind of uh, action point allowance kind of things. Uh, It's actually a very clever system because there's an energy bar that you have. uh, Bar meaning like counter. You have a certain amount of energy you receive as income every round, and it also is partly a deck-building game because with that energy you can do certain card actions and the card actions could be something like you're scaring the invaders or you're like removing towns or something destroying their towns thematically there's a huge kind of fear mechanic so when the invaders get scared something bad happens to them and they just like flee i guess so you can remove them from the board and you're moving the native population around they never move themselves really they're just kind of um, there Uh, so as spirits you can kind of influence them to to move them around really so they can passively kind of fight off the invaders Uh, The mechanic there is very interesting as well because the invaders attack first, so you have to defend them as well, the native uh, population. Otherwise, they just get destroyed because thematically they have worse technology or something. So we have to defend them, and, and then the native population fights back against the invaders as well. There's actually very few effects where you directly fight the invaders, I should say. So a lot of the game is kind of manipulating the board where you can get invaders to go somewhere where there is native population and then defend the native population so the native population can fight back against the invaders. Um, But yeah, a very kind of really cool, clever game. I think I've talked about it before on a recent possibly top three as well. I think top three co-ops as well because it's a really cool co-op game. Uh, can go on for a while that's really the only negative i have against it is it can go on for quite a bit especially if there's multiple people playing and the game gets really complex and you have to talk a long time then it can get just kind of ridiculous i think actually maybe two or three is the sweet spot for that game uh but yeah i think it's really really cool co-op game um and it's one of the co-op games which kind of restored my faith in or just kind of really got me into playing co-op games more because uh or showed me that there's good co-op games out there i guess that's the best way of saying it because previously i wasn't actually a fan of co-op games and ever since i played spirit island i like them a lot so yeah um some hope for defeating your horrible situation maybe and especially if if it involves aliens and that's spirit island
0: yeah, Spirit Island is kind of the perfect co-op game because there's kind of little room for alpha gaming because you uh have so much going on in your board on your side of things that people I mean unless they're like it's looking at complex, your board the yeah. whole time, yeah. And that's something that I would actually be more interested in playing in a post-apocalyptic situation because it does take a long time and who cares <laughs> because you got a lot of time. <laughs> Which is a good segue to my number 1 which is Through the Ages, um, most notably a, a new story of civilization, the newest one that came out in 2015, released by CGE. Um, I picked this because um, similar reasons of, of Hristo, kind of, but the fact that you're you're building civilization throughout time, I think it could be a good reminder that all hope can be restored and we could build a better and new civilization. Although in this game, you're not building a better and new civilization necessarily, you're just building the civilization that sort of happened, kind of, because you're choosing different leaders to have throughout the ages, and it goes throughout the ages. So in the first round, you'll see, you know, older historic figures, and then they'll get more and more new, even like Bill Gates is introduced later on in the game. It is a rather lengthy game, I would say, uh, really long if you're playing with four players. Nobody plays this game with four players, though. Um, I think people would be even a a little afraid to play it at three, although I think it works best at two because it's just kind of back and forth. It's card drafting um, and also engine building. There's a lot going on in it, a lot going on in it. And I found myself playing the app... Well, 100% more than the actual board game, because I've never played the board game. I've only played the app version. I own the board game. It's been sitting on my shelf for a long time. It was actually a game that I bought that I thought, me and my wife, would. this would be great to play. You know, when we're in that heavy game mode, which was most of the time, uh, we could sit down and play this, and we're fast players, so we could probably get it done in two hours. But... We had a child, and that uh, ruined everything. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It didn't ruin anything. Um, (laughs) It just made it to where we can't play these long games. So this is also a selfish pick of mine because I'm down there picturing myself in the bunker, and I'm like, what do you guys want to play? Monikers? Ah, we played that last night, right? All right. How about Civilization? (laughs) A Civilization game. And uh, if they say no, it's like, well, too bad. We only have three games. So, basically, I could get to play this game, which I've always wanted to. So, I think I'll only be able to play the board game in a post-apocalypse situation. Um, But I really enjoy this game. Christo... Uh, refuses to play it or is not interested in it because of the civilization uh, thing? I don't
1: know. Maybe someday I'll grow the enthusiasm to play that game. It's just from what I've heard, it's really long and I don't know. I need to take a look at what it is in more detail. It reminds me of another game like Colonists. Basically these like really epic long games with very slow burn build up is kind of what it reminds me of. I don't know. Uh, like I say, maybe never say never. Someday I'll might try it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you'll enjoy it because it's more like kind of engine building, action point allowance system. I think it's done really well. Uh, The civilization thing is just sort of like a a side note, although you can really get into that as well. Um, A lot of upkeep. And actually, it does have a a way to shorten the game. You could just like take out an era so you could play a shorter game. But I think two players going back and forth, I think it would be fine. But there's a lot of different tracks and a lot of things to upkeep. And that's why I think I just turned to the app because it does it all for you. But there's quite a bit of upkeep in it.
1: Yeah, I'm usually not a huge fan of Civ games either for some reason, like the games that go throughout civilization and stuff. But I don't know, they're fine. They're just like not my favorite genre usually for some reason. I don't know why, but it's just the way it is.
0: Yeah, you know, I I typically, I like the theme of it. I like the historic aspect of it. But they're usually tied with a particular type of game. And they're usually like area control or area majority. Yes. And yeah. I'm, I'm not huge on that. And this like doesn't have any of that. There's not a common board, which you're like fighting over. Uh, you're fighting, you're, you're drafting cards. So you're kind of like hoping somebody doesn't take that card. But there is military that you will, uh, you know, if you have more military, you can, Uh, hurt the other player but that's about it most of it's just kind of engine building and like maintaining your 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 uh your civilization making sure they're like not getting like you know not making sure they're happy and fed and all that
1: um actually what i was gonna say is i think a lot of games try to basically remake Sid Meier's Civilization in board yeah. game format and that's uh, what I don't necessarily like so much but that's what I said is maybe not true as much because I do like uh, kind of a abstract civilization game called uh, Innovation um, the, the more I think about it that's a game where you start in medieval times and you progress through the future actually not even the present Uh, So, yeah, I guess the theme is fine. It's just the implementation of it is kind of I'm very picky about. But, yeah, like I say, never say never.
0: All right. That will do it for our list. Um, I have a couple of honorable mentions, just uh, some like kind of vague things that I was thinking about when I was making this list that didn't get on the list. One was Yench. To have have an abstract game, like a chess-like abstract game, that you could just sort of play throughout the day if you want, you know, a lot of people play chess, like they make a move, they walk away, and then the another player comes up, makes a move. I mean, you could do that with Yench. Um, Yench, you could stare at the board for quite a while. It's it's very simple game, there's just like these circles and little um, circular things that go into the circles and to, to move them, and you're basically just trying to collect five in a row. Um, very uh, ingenious design, I think to where once you uh, get five in a row, those wipe, and now you put a circle on your board. Now you have one circle less, and if you get three, you win. Um, I could see me wanting to dive into this strategic game a bit more, and the situation would call for it. And also, I don't know the situation. If we're in a post-apocalyptic situation, maybe there's just two of us. Hopefully not just one because that would be a very boring game to play by yourself. But maybe a bunch of people don't want to play and you could find somebody to play this with. Another honorable mention would just be campaign games. Like it would be a good opportunity to play through campaigns (laughs) and get into it. And I have actually a lot on my shelf that um, don't get played because I don't have time for it. Um, yeah, I was
1: going to say I'm laughing because it takes an apocalypse to play a campaign game for you, I guess. It
0: does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not speaking legacy because that would be a bummer. That game would be gone and now you only have two games to play if you only have three. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking um, what am I thinking? I'm thinking near and far, which I've never played before. And I know that there's several ways to play it. Well, at least two. You could do the story aspect or the character aspect
1: right yeah it's a decent game yeah yeah it's, it's good uh
0: but i never played it but i i that might be one that i grab on my way out if i'm running from the burning <laughs> world
1: yeah uh my honorable mentions i was actually i had a couple that are nature themed um there's actually enough nature themed games that i feel like we could do like a top three just for nature themed games but uh living planet and petrichor living planet is kind of i don't know if it's really a an uplifting game it's a game where thematically you're going to a planet uh, in space and you're mining it for profit and the planet itself is alive, or something. Spoilers: you're not supposed to know the story, but I mean, whatever. Um, you can read. There's an entire story in the rule book about it, like lore. But the planet itself starts causing like earthquakes and uh, tornadoes and all kinds of like natural stuff to destroy or op- mining operations, basically. So yeah, not the most theme. It's uplifting theme. It's basically just kind of. Uh, social commentary on capitalism and resource abuse, (laughs) abusing (laughs) natural resources. Uh, The other one is Petrichor. Petrichor was fine. I feel like I just need to play it more. It's another kind of nature themed area majority game uh, where you're kind of putting these uh, raindrops I think or whatever or seeds or something in a cloud and you're raining them throughout the board and there's a bunch of abilities and majority type stuff that happens so yeah those are kind of a couple of games that were kind of more on the bright side Uh, post-apocalyptic games apocalyptic games there are quite a few but I feel like that's kind of um, yeah I'm just gonna ignore that (laughs) part of my my games here because that was the other way i could this could have gone but yeah yeah um living planet and petrichor that's it
0: oh do you mean like in the way of theme like post-apocalyptic themed games
1: yeah i had some games that like if we were talking if you had gone with post-apocalyptic games i could talk about them but yeah no
0: yeah, maybe we'll do that in well, in the future because there is some some yeah. good games out there with that theme on it, and you know it might have matched this actual um, top three because you know the pandemic hit and then all of a sudden everyone's playing pandemic, so some people <laughs> want to match their current situation. Um, I personally yeah. would rather not, but I, I I really actually enjoyed Petrichor. I've only I think I've only played it once, maybe twice. But I could see how that would work out because it's kind of a it's the theme is very uplifting because you're like you're playing as clouds, just like going through the, raining. But uh, it could be also kind of a mean game, but uh, I don't mind yeah. that. I kind of liked it,
1: yeah, uh, there's also some games of the post the games that I haven't played, which I feel like I should. So yeah, we'll see or play more. maybe, uh, I just need to play a bunch of games more, which is difficult with our current situation. but yeah, we'll see.
0: All right, well, that would be our show. Thanks for listening. We'd like to remind you that we do have a website out there, www.cardsandcubes.com, and you could contact us for any reason that you would like through that. Also, we'd like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme and Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. You could find more of her art at Kat Coffee, K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E, on Instagram and cards and cubes has been a production of pod cauldron find out some other great podcasts from the pod cauldron network including bub club a horror movie podcast and rabble 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 a comedic look at current events we will be back in a couple of weeks thanks again